it's not this week, but the following week is um, Halloween. And since we're going to be doing something a little different that Sunday, I wanted to talk to you about Halloween today. Actually, I think the Lord wants me to talk to you about Halloween today. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about Halloween and Christianity, about what should our perspective be relative to this, this holiday that's coming up that's, that's Halloween. And let me start you in Hebrews chapter 4, 12 and 13, which really has nothing to do with Halloween, but it's how I'm going to establish how we decide. Hebrews 4, 12 and 13. For the word of God is living and active. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight Excuse me, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do, basically with whom we will be accountable to. And the, the point I want to make from this is, what authority do you give the scriptures in your life? Are they a good suggestion? Is there some stuff you agree with and some stuff you, you disagree with? But generally, you know, it, it, it's good stuff. People say, you know, was Jesus God? Was he the son of God? Was he Messiah, the Christ? And they'll say, well, you know, some of that stuff I believe, some of that stuff I don't believe. For me, personally, I believe all of the Bible. Even the parts that seem unbelievable, I choose to believe them. Right? The easy one is you're talking to somebody, they're an atheist, you know, they have the attitude and the opinions against Christianity, and they're like, all right, so you're telling me, Right? You're, you're an intelligent guy, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but yeah, I can find my way around whatever. You believe that some guy lived three days in the belly of a fish, and then he got spat out on the beach, and then you know, he did all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I do. Now, you tell me how that makes any sense. I'm like, well, it doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense at all. It seems unbelievable, except it's in the Scripture. And I've chosen that what the Scripture says, I believe. Because the minute I start to say, well, yeah, I believe this, but I don't believe that, and then some circumstance comes up in my life where my flesh wants that not to be true now too, everything can be not true. I can pick and choose whatever I want. I can live however I want. And I have, can get myself 10,000 miles away from Jesus thinking that I'm right there next to his chest and his heart. So for me, the word of God is able to cut through all the nonsense, all the silliness, all the whatevers. Now, sometimes it does it explicitly. I will tell you that I could not find, with all of my awesome electronic biblical tools, I could not find the word Halloween in there one time. So I have to look to the scriptures and see what they say in principle and then draw from those principles to see how I'm going to live my life. The, the word of God is to be a lamp unto our feet. It's to guide us as to where we're to go, how we're to be. And it, it will guide us in places that we don't want to go. It'll guide us into ways where, you know, someone will, will slap you on the right cheek and the word of God will say, next step is to let them slap you on the left cheek and you put both your hands in your pocket. It's like, well, you know, that make that much sense to me. How about if I just slap him a little harder on his right cheek and see which one of us backs down? Well, that would be okay, I guess, if your objective is to increase evil. But we never return evil with evil because you can't overcome evil with more evil. You can only overcome evil with good. Therefore, if somebody slaps you on your right cheek, you offer them your left cheek. And then you mess with evil because evil doesn't know how to respond to goodness and kindness. So the point that I'm asking you today is you have to decide what the Word of God means to you. The context of this scripture, I won't go into it, 
now, but someday I'm going to because I'm getting blown up in Hebrews right now. It's just so amazing that the Lord has given me so much revelation. I'm just loving Hebrews. But the context of this is very specific to the church about a warning. And the warning is coming from the scriptures in the Old Testament. And and whoever wrote Hebrews is saying, listen, this that I'm warning you from is the word of God. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it'll separate what you think from what you wish if you'll listen to it and pay attention to it. So so I'm not going to be able to show you the word Halloween in the scriptures but I'm going to draw from scriptures that are going to be building principles, and then we all have to decide for ourselves where's that lamp pointing us, okay? Okay. The scriptures teach us that there's two kingdoms. In the universe, there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of light, and there's the kingdom of darkness. And there's only two. There's only, there's only two sources of spiritual power in the universe. One is God, you know, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, God, spiritual power. The other is demonic, Satan and his minions and principalities and authorities and powers and whatnot. Two sources of spiritual power. So you can see things that are natural, right? In the natural, certain things are just that way because that's how God created nature. Gravity would be an example. That's not a spiritual power necessarily, although Jesus does hold all things together, but that's a natural force. But when you see the hole in Isaiah's mouth close up, or you're in Africa and and you put your hands on a lady who has no calf muscle, and you call in the name of the Lord Jesus, in like three minutes, the thing, it it grows. It's literally a, a calf muscle is made manifest in your hand. That's not natural. That's supernatural. Okay? So you will see supernatural things done, by the Lord, through the church, on behalf of his glory and his kingdom and his purpose. And you'll see supernatural things done. Think of Moses and Pharaoh, right? Moses throws his staff down and it makes a snake. The witchcraft guys for Pharaoh throw their staff down and it makes a snake. Pharaoh's unimpressed with Moses, right? Because they have certain spiritual powers, but only what they have has been given to them by God. And if he decides, when he decides it's time for them to be done, they're done. Okay? So... Two kingdoms, light and darkness, two sources of spiritual power, God and Satan. Let's look first from the Old Testament and the New Testament with the preface from Scripture that he is the God who does not change. He doesn't change. Who he is is who he is. Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 14. God speaking through. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell or a medium or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. That's a reference to them going into the promised land. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God for those nations which you shall dispossess. Listen to those who practice witchcraft and to diviners, but as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. So these things that Halloween celebrates are detestable to God, the God who doesn't change. 
Um, Second Chronicles 33. I mean, there's a, there were so many. You, you will be so happy to know that I paired so many scriptures out of here because I think they'll make the point, but there's, there's a lot that speaks to this in, in the scriptures. So one more from the Old Testament. Second Chronicles 33.6. Now, the he that this speaks to is Manasseh, the king of Judah. Manasseh is generally considered to be the most evil king of all the kings of Judah. Okay, he, Manasseh, made his sons pass through. Do you know what the pass through the fire means? Yeah, it was to the god of Molech, I think, who was a Moabite god or a Amalekite god, I forget. But anyway, they would literally, I mean, I won't even tell you about it, but it's horrible what they did when they passed their children through the fire. Well, they, some of them didn't die. It was almost more horrible. But yes, they ended up being burned to death. And if they didn't, they got burned almost to death, and then they dealt with the horrific pain associated with that. Made his sons pass through the fire in the valley of Ben-Hinnom, and he practiced witchcraft, used divination, practiced sorcery, and dealt with mediums and spiritists. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him, the Lord, to anger. So there's a couple of Old Testament references that would indicate that the God who doesn't change is not too happy, too hip on the idea of spiritualism, witchcraft, divination, sorcery, all that kind of stuff. Now, in, in the New Testament, uh, Galatians five nineteen through 21, now the deeds of the flesh are evident. And it's important to see the deeds of the flesh. When I'm on a diet and I don't honor my diet, it's my flesh that's rising up, and I'm performing the deed of the flesh. So there are things that, that, that are in the world that are attractive to our flesh, and when we give in to those things, those would be deeds of the flesh, that we would actually participate in the world's systems. It would be deeds of our flesh, that we, you know, we would have surrendered ourselves to our flesh. So now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, and, and, and in this case, sorcery is kind of like an umbrella statement to all that other stuff. Sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of angers, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So people that practice sorcery, if that's a practice a sorcerer, a witch, a diviner, a fortune teller, a palm reader, a Ouija board person will not inherit the kingdom of God. You said woo to the Ouija board. Let me just give you a quick testimony. I got a phone call just out of the blue. My cell phone rang one day, and it's this lady, and she's almost in tears. And I'm, are you Pastor Pat Brady? Yes, I am, but I don't recognize your number. She tells me her name. Somebody told me I could call you, and I'm like, well, okay, yeah, what, what do you need? She says, my daughter, she's, she's possessed by a demon or demons. And she starts to list off all this creepy, crazy stuff that her daughter does. And I'm like, well, okay, you know, we can help her. I mean, I'm thinking to myself, wow, this is trial by fire. I, didn't have, I don't have much experience with demons. And um, I could hear something going on in the background. Yeah. Well, I'm still not sure I did, but I've had some pretty weird experiences, but I'm not sure, I'm not positive that the seven voices, children, old people, women, boys, men, girls, I mean, all out of the same person. 
sounded pretty demonic to me. But anyway, so um, what I was hearing in the background was her daughter. She was like 19 years old. I said, Is she, can she talk to me? You know? She said, I think so. And she put her on the phone. And she was tormented. I mean, she really did. She wanted to be free. And I'm like, well, when did this start? She said, well, I went to visit my sister in Florida. And, and it was right after I got home from Florida or when I was in Florida. I can't remember. I said, well, what happened in Florida? Well, we were partying a lot, you know. My sister likes to party, and we were partying. And, and I don't know what all that meant, drinking, drugs, I don't know. But stuff like that. I said, what else? She said, one day we were playing with this Ouija board. I'm like, whoa. Tell me about that. And then, and then the demons actually came into her because she was putting her hands on that Ouija board. In a minute, I'm going to read you a scripture that says, do not touch what is unclean. And I'm telling you, you put your hands on that thing, and you, are said, you have said to God that I, I'm okay with having Satan come into my life. Now, you don't know you're saying that. You think it's just a toy. You could go to the toy store maybe and buy a Ouija board, but you cannot touch the demons. And anyway, so I... I I said, hey, listen, you bring your, your daughter up here. I'll meet you at the church, and we'll deal with this thing right now. And then she didn't show up. I called her back. She didn't answer. So I don't know however that thing ultimately came out. But that was a girl who got possessed by demons, and her life was just tormented because she touched what was seriously unclean. Okay, that's Galatians. In the book of Revelation... But for the cowardly and the unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, you think lying is a small deal, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Again, sorcery mentioned in the scriptures as kind of an eternal sin practice. Now listen, if, if one of you guys slipped and told a lie the other day, doesn't make you a liar. It does make you a liar, but not in the context necessarily that this is speaking. So if you told a lie, then you should feel remorse and you should confess that sin to God and then he will be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. But practicing lying is really, really a bad thing. Um, all people who don't hold the truth will end up in the eternal lake of fire. Now, um, back to the Old Testament. Those are the four examples that I want to give you. The God that doesn't change. Speaks to it in uh, Deuteronomy and Leviticus and Galatians and Revelation, Old Testament, New Testament. More places in the Old, more places in the New. Those are enough to be representative that God is absolutely not about witchcraft, divinity, diviners, you know, people that are calling on divine beings that are not holy and divine, Right? And then in, in Leviticus 20, 26 and 27, God speaking to Israel says, Thus, you are to be holy. Now, me in this case is God. You are to be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. That is no different than the church. We've, we're to be set apart from the people, set apart from the world. We're supposed to be different. Holy unto God. Holy means separate, sanctified, set apart, not part of. Such that in their case and in our case, that the peoples in that time and the peoples in this time could see God in his church, so to speak. His people, his church. That we will be different than the world. They would see it. 
Now, when they see us being different, you know, ultimately I'm going to tell you don't touch Halloween with a 10-foot pole. That's, that's where I'm heading in this whole thing. And, and they might take offense. Well, you think you're better than me or whatever, this and that. But sooner or later, your choice unto holiness before God, holiness unto God, is going to cause people to eventually come and say, how come? Because if you actually will walk in holiness, then the promises of God will be yours, and they will see it. They won't be able to not see it. We would be a city on a hill kind of a people, and sooner or later they're going to be like, why don't you dress your kid up like a witch or a warlock or a a, a little devil with cute little red horns sticking out of his head, and you'll get the opportunity to tell him because I don't want to bring that curse upon me and my family, my children, whatever, and it doesn't honor the Lord. We're to be holy to the Lord. Don't you know that your life is not your own? Don't you know that you are not your own? You were bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. If we can pick and choose, well, I'll be my own over here because this part of the world I like, but I don't care that much about this part of the world, so I'll be holy in this, then I don't know if the sincerity of Jesus as Lord was ever actually in our hearts. Okay. 2 Corinthians 6, 11 through 7, 1. This will be familiar to you because when we started with holiness a year ago, this is where we started. Our mouth is spoken freely to you, O Corinthians. Our heart is open wide. The Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Corinth. In this particular part, God speaking to me personally. You are not restrained by us, but you are restrained in your own affections. Now in a like exchange, I speak as to children open wide to us also. Holiness started when, when God said, your problem isn't, you're crying out to me. Where's the power, God? Where's the power? This is what your Bible says, and this is what I'm experiencing. The chasm is so wide, where's the power? He said to me through this scripture, he says, Pat, listen, I'm not holding anything back from you. It's your affections that restrain you. And when he spoke it, I knew exactly what he was talking about because I've been, I've been trying to act like it wasn't true for a year, my own personal ungodly affections. Now, in a like exchange, Pat, I speak to you as a child. Open wide to me also. Like, like you're open wide to your affections that are ungodly, God says, open wide to me too. The scriptures go on to say this. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Remember, there's only two kingdoms, light and dark, right? This is kind of what he's expressing here. Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? Belial, another way to reference Satan. Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God, that's us, with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, just as God said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. Let me stop a minute. I'm going to go to the end, and then I'm going to come back. The end of this is 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now, let me go back. This is God speaking prophetically. It's actually quoted out of the Old Testament. So this is Old Testament, same words in the New Testament. Same God, doesn't change. The covenant might change, but the God doesn't change. I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from their midst and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. 
And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all defilement of flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. That's a pretty powerful course of scripture, especially when you think about things like Halloween. And just ask yourself, I'm going to get there, but let's get there now. If there's only two kingdoms, and let's just say for the sake of argument, I'm not sure this is absolutely true, but I'm pretty sure it is with Halloween, that things can only exist in one place or the other. Where does Halloween sit? Kingdom of God or the world? Kingdom of darkness. I I honestly think that, you know, you might struggle a little bit with 4th of July, but Halloween's a pretty easy one, right? Okay. All right. So he says, come out from their midst. Who is they? It's the world. Come out from their midst. Be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and I will welcome you. See, the promises are conditional. He will welcome us. But he's not welcome us. He's not, when we dress up like a demon and come into the party, I promise you, God is not there. That's not where he welcomes us. He welcomes us in holiness. He said that God gives grace to the proud, but he resists, excuse me, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So when we say, well, God, you just need to turn your head for a minute because all my pals like to dress up like demons and it's fun and we're going to have a good time, that's pride. And his, you're at the far end of his arm not up in his bosom where grace lives. Proverbs, back to the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 6, 27 and 28. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Or can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Can, can, I, can I play with demons, Lord, and it'll be okay? He says, no. You put fire to your chest, your clothes are going to get burned. You walk on hot coals, your feet are going to be scorched. You can't sow into that which is the kingdom of darkness and reap from the kingdom of heaven. That doesn't work. You will reap from what you sow. Matter of fact, if we went further in um, Galatians chapter 5, it says that the one who sows to the kingdom of heaven, will reap eternal life, but the one who sows to the flesh will reap destruction, corruption and destruction. So, if you had to, if somebody asked you, like, you know, a ball-headed preacher asked you the very essence of Halloween, and you be honest, is it cowboy and princess or witch and goblin? Because that's what some people do, right? It's like, well, I'm just going to dress Junior up as a cowboy, and we're going to go out because he likes candy, and it's a fun night, and, you know, so we'll dress him up like a cowboy. We'll dress, we'll dress little daughter up as a princess instead of a witch, and we'll just go out and hang out with the ones that are dressed up like witches and princesses. Or is it really what it really is? James one twenty seven. Remember, I, I mean, I'm not asking you to raise your hand. Somebody might have said that Halloween was the kingdom, but I don't think so. I think everybody agreed Halloween was, was a function of the world. Listen to what the New Testament, not the Old Testament, listen to what the New Testament says about participating with the world. James one twenty seven. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this, 
to visit orphans and widows in their distress. That's cool. God wants us to, to be helping those that, that, that can't help and protect themselves and to keep oneself unstained by the world. So what's the, what's the implication? If we, if we participate with the world, it puts a stain on us, right? right? We're, we're to not get close such that we are not stained. But now listen to the attitude, the attitude that wants to participate in the world. James 4.4, 4, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. So, so when, when the devil gets in our heads and we start to rationalize, ah, you know, I mean, sometimes it's like, but I'm just going to be a light in the darkness. It's like, stop it. You're not doing it to be a light in the darkness. You're doing it because your kids like it, and when the kids come and you give them candy, it makes them happy and it makes you feel good. You can rationalize seven ways from Sunday, but at the end of the day, when we participate in the world systems, we are hostile towards God, and he sees us as his enemies. So to say, well, God understands, it's just candy, and, you know, I dressed her up like a princess. It's, it's just totally trying to rationalize so that you can do, surrender to your flesh, what your spirit man is saying, don't, 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 don't. 1 John 2.15, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, that doesn't mean God's love for you doesn't exist. That means your love for God doesn't exist. Do not love the world. So we could change it because we said it was part of the world. Do not love Halloween. Know the things of Halloween. If anybody loves Halloween, the love, our love for the Father is not in us. I mean, that's a little comical, but that's what it's saying. You could pick whatever you want for the world. It has tons of systems. Jesus said, whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, and one, trans, or one place says, and the gospel, will save it. So if we think that we can be in the kingdom of light, have the new life, yet also be in the kingdom of darkness, keep our old life, we deceive ourselves. It's deception. Now, Christianity is costly, right? It's a free gift. I totally say it's a free gift because the Bible says it's the free gift of God. But it's the only free gift that costs you your whole entire life. <laughs> so the free part is because God doesn't have to. There's no way, there's no amount of anything you can give to God that would compel him to have to give you the blood of Jesus. So it's free in that regard. But in order to receive that free gift, you have to deny yourself. You have to deny your old life that you might have eternal life. Let me give you just uh, an example and a couple of instructions out of the New Testament. Acts 19, 17 through 20. This became known to all. Now this is the testimony of the demon and the seven sons of Sceva. If you're not familiar with that one, you can go to Acts 19 and read about it. But basically, these seven sons of this Jewish priest, Sceva, were aware of the power that was in the Apostle Paul. So they were running around in the name of Jesus that Paul preaches, and Paul, and they would confront this person that's full of demons. And the demon says, hey, Jesus I know, Paul I know, you I don't know so much. And then the person that was possessed by the demons, 
jumped on these seven guys, beat the living crap out of them, ripped their clothes off, and they ran away beaten and naked. That's what was heard that the people knew. It's like, holy smokes. And everybody started having this really, in Ephesus this was, this really uh, strong fear of God. So it says, this became known to all, both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. See, they repented. They were Christians in Ephesus, maybe a little casual, more so than they needed to be. They kept their little you know, witchcraft, spells and hoaxes, scrolls and whatnot. And then they saw what happened when somebody tried to confront the demon people, you know, that that's where the, all that stuff manifests through, and the fear of God came over them. And literally, one of the commentaries says that, that what's represented by one piece of silver here would be at least equivalent to a day's wages. So the stuff that they burned up was equivalent to 50,000 days' wages. Is that right, 50,000? 50,000 days' wages. Now, if you're a union carpenter, 50,000 divided by 365 is a whole bunch of years. You probably live okay for a little while on that, huh? Amen. It says, the word of the Lord grew mightily and it was prevailing. It doesn't do that when we participate in demonic activities. The word of God prevailed because the church humbled itself, said, whoa, I got this stuff in my house. They brought, it didn't matter how much it was worth. They didn't, they didn't put it on eBay because this worth 50,000 pieces of silver. Look, we could pave the parking lot with that. No, because they didn't want to put what is cursed out there for somebody else just so that they could have some money for it. They did what was right. They burned it. If you've got things in your house that shouldn't be there, and they might be innocuous. You might have just picked it up on a vacation, or you know, maybe it's a, what's the Indian Native American thing? Dream catchers, you know, kind of stuff. Get it out of your house, and don't put it into somebody else's house. Don't sell it in your garage sale. If it'll burn, burn it. Crush it, put it in the garbage, get it out. Ephesians chapter 5, 6 through 12. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Remember, come out from among them. Be separate. Don't touch with this. Here it is again. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 22. This is just a little far. Oh, no, that's 2 Corinthians that she was reading from. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 through 22. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? Talking about communion. Is not the bread which we break a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one bread... We who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Look at the nation Israel. Are not those who eat the sacrifices sharers in the altar? What do I mean then? 
that a thing sacrificed to idols is anything or that an idol is anything. No, but I say that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to become sharers in demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger? Or we are not stronger than he, are we? You can't drink from the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You can't eat from the table of the Lord and from the table of demons. Now, there's some specifics to what he's talking about, but the principle still applies, that, that you've got to make a decision. Um, Jesus said, count the costs. If somebody presented the gospel to you, and you heard the fullness of the gospel, like the count the cost, like the deny yourself, like you want to have your life, you have to lose it. If you want to keep it, you can't. You know, if somebody presented the gospel to you with all of those kinds of truths, it would force you really. See, because most people choose Jesus. They're not really making a choice. They're making a choice to not want to go to hell. They're making a choice because they want their sins forgiven, but they don't understand that they really have to make a choice of who they want to be and who said this? Whose they want to be? Somebody just said that. Was it last week in a testimony or? I don't know. Anyway, who they want to be or whose they want to be. Because if, if you really want the kingdom of light, then you'll want to live in the kingdom of light and you'll deny that fleshly stuff that still wants to live in the kingdom of darkness. Count the cost. So we need to decide, is our fellowship with the Lord or is it with the world? Is our witness holiness? Are we being set apart unto the Lord? I'm, all, I'm honestly almost done. Matthew chapter 10. Think about this. Now, think about this in, in the context of your witness, right? What does the world see in the Christian? Therefore, everyone who confesses me, this is Jesus speaking, therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men... I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So the initial confess is when you respond to the gospel, right? When you get baptized, that's, that's your public pronouncement that I have confessed Jesus as Lord over my life. I am dead to myself. I am resurrected in Christ, set apart, sanctified for his purposes, going to live my life unto Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's that. But then, you know, pick your evil. Pick your darkness. Pick Halloween if you want, I think, right? Dress yourself up as a demon and go to a party and have fun. Who, who are you confessing now? And who are you denying now? This next one is very biting because it really hits right to the point. This is Matthew a little bit further back now in chapter 15, starting in verse 7. Jesus speaking, you hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy of you this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precepts of men. I think whether we participate or whether we don't is all about holiness. And maybe there's a million reasons for us to be holy. Let me just give you three. 
The first is because we said we would. People are like, well, I don't remember saying that I wouldn't participate in Halloween. But do you remember saying that Jesus would be Lord? That, you, you know, that's just another way to say. Do you remember when someone talked about repentance? So, so a Christian's yes is to be yes and is no. We don't make oaths. We don't say, I swear on the Lord, I'll never this or I'll never that or I will or I won't. No, no. You're a Christian. Now, because of your character in Christ Jesus, your yes is yes and your no is no. Your yes was Jesus as Lord, unless it wasn't, in which case we need to talk about the gospel and you could make a decision rather than, you know, thinking that you can be in two kingdoms at once when you can't. The second is truly out of honor and reverence for the Lord. Wisdom and knowledge have their beginning in the same place. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of knowledge is the fear of the Lord. The reverence of God. What does that mean? It means when God says, don't touch what is unclean, out of reverent fear, out of reverence, you're God and I'm not. You are the one who provided his son. You are the one who bore the eternal wrath of God on my behalf in reverence, in in honor to you. I won't touch what is unclean. That's the second reason. And I didn't even talk about the third reason. But the third reason is this. For our own good, we should be holy. Because, you see, when you play with the Ouija board, you dishonor God, you touch what is unclean, and you put yourself in the place of immense demonic something. And, you know, I'm going to say this, but I don't don't know that I can prove it, but I'm pretty much sure I know that it's true, that you will empower in your life that which you agree with. If you agree with God in fear and reverence, then you will empower God to bring about his purposes through your life. If you agree with the enemy, whether you recognize that you're doing it or not, you will empower the enemy in your agreement to do what he wants. So you, you might ask the question, then, if, if, if we do Halloween, are we, we going to go to hell? Honestly, if you're truly a Christian, you probably shouldn't want to do Halloween. I mean, you should really check your heart on that one. But if you're a Christian, you're not under the law. So if you dress up like a goblin and you want to do Halloween, there is no law that says you can't. It cannot separate you eternally from God because you're not under the law. But it might, it might invite, while it may not keep you from heaven, it, it very, might, very much might well bring hell to you. Amen. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. So, you know, Annika's 18, and she'd probably love to have a lot of candy, but we weren't likely to dress you up as a goblin and send you out. You know, for us, it's not that hard. We don't have little kids, right? But some of you have little kids, and some of you have, you know, really important social networks, and and this is just some of the stuff that, you know, that's part of that. And I'm telling you, for the sake of holiness, for the sake of truth, for the sake of your confession, for the sake of yourself, for the sake of your families, for the sake of your homes, I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. And, and you may have been doing Halloween your whole darn life, and you may not be able to make any direct, straight-line connection. I did Halloween and then this. But I promise you, they're there. They may not manifest that you know November 1st or November 2nd, but the more we sow into the world, the more we will reap corruption of the world. And... 
I thought about inviting somebody to come and share a testimony. I'll just share it with you quickly. Uh, a, a, a man I know, very uh, successful businessman, um, you know, multiple generations in his family line, powerful Christians, great testimonies, Christian man. Son was tormented. I can't remember how old his son was. You know, maybe preteen, early teen, something like that. Can't sleep at night, horrible, terrified, all this different stuff going on. Prayed over the kid, you know, did all these, you know, cast the devils out of his house. I mean, really did everything that a guy who's, who's known Jesus in a powerful way all his life knew to do. Nothing changed. He called um, three or four of his friends, Christian men friends, brought them to his house, had them walk through and pray. One of them said that they saw, I can't remember the details, they saw something, like they had a little vision, and they went looking. Is it okay if we go through his room? Sure, you do what you need to do. Look in the drawers, look in, they get in the closet, and in the closet was this little idol thing. They just got it on vacation someplace. But it, 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 it was, um, it, it represented some, you know, maybe they got it from Asia or somewhere, but it represented some god worship thing in some foreign religion. And they're like, whoa, this is no good. They took it out. I don't remember if they busted it up. They burned it. They completely got rid of it. That kid never had another bad night since then. Right? So, so did they just say, hey, you know, Satan, come into our house? No, Satan deceived them. It's just a souvenir from a trip they went on. It's just a dream catcher. We were out west, and, you know, and, and they had their beautiful feathers and all the beads and all this kind of stuff. But it means something spiritually. It's not nothing spiritually. And you might have one in your house, and, and you may say, well, you know, I never had a problem with anything, but maybe you were sick and you shouldn't have been, or maybe you were depressed and you shouldn't have been, or maybe who knows what. If you put fire to your chest, you're going to burn your clothes. That's what God says. So my admonition to you is tell your friends you love them. Tell your kids you love them. Find some other way than to touch something that is so clearly, so clearly contrary to the heart of God. You got something you want to say? Yeah? What he's describing, we actually went through in our first church. And it's not just dream catchers, just warning everybody in this room. We had a friend that was in our small group, and her daughter was going through the torture and the misery and this and that and the other thing. And a bunch of us went over to the house and prayed. And we just kept praying around the house and looking, and people were walking around the outside. And I went right in her teenage daughter's bedroom to the exact CD. God showed me the words in that music. Watch what you're listening to. Amen. That was what was torturing that girl was that CD. Her mom got it out of the house. Everything was fine. Amen. Yep. Don't so, touch what so is it's, unclean. It's not just the Halloween. It's not just, but the, it's out there. <laughs> right. And it's in the music. Watch the words you're listening to. Amen. Right. right. It is it real. It is real. Right. It is, it is real. real. Yep. Okay. Well, Father God, thank you again. I pray that no one in this room feels condemned, Lord, because if they're born again, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set them free from the law of sin and death. So, Lord, I pray that there be any spirit of condemnation or judgment in this room. 
that that be bound now. Made silent, I cancel your assignment, you bad spirit, you unclean spirit, and command you off this property now in the name and the authority of Jesus Christ. But that our eyes would be open to see and our ears would be open to hear. And this is, I mean, I don't know if I'm praying now or I'm preaching church, but this is what church is about. That we come together to stir each other to love and to good deeds. That, that we would come together and, and warn one another and, and admonish one another to holiness and to walking with the Lord. And, and for every place that I might check you, there's a place where you can check me. And that none of us should ever confront one another in pride or thinking that we're something. Because anything we have, we have it because God gave it to us, if it's worth having. So, Lord, I ask your blessing over this congregation. I ask your wisdom into each and every one of our hearts and that we would truly desire holiness. We thank you and we praise you.